Nope, no light. Hello? There we go. God is good? And all the time? Amen, amen, amen. So um, I'm excited to be here this morning, and I hope you are too. Uh, if you're visiting with us, let you know you are an honored guest, and uh, you are on the precipice, right? You're on the edge of, uh, of this great mission that we're about to unfold uh, for the New Beginnings Church, and I'm just glad you could be a part of this. Uh, hope you can kind of catch hold of the, uh, the spirit and the uh, energy uh, I think that this uh, momentum will create. And I'm very thankful. Um, I'm very thankful for the work of God in the world. I was. Uh, I've been. I've been sort of paying attention. Um, I guess subconsciously a little bit to uh, to what's going on in Iran right now. Um, I know Merlin had mentioned it a couple Wednesdays uh, ago um, about uh, an article he read about lambs among wolves, and it was a reference to the underground church that was taking place. Uh, what was going on in the underground church in Iran? I don't have to tell you the context is dangerous in Iran uh, for faith, and yet it is blowing up. And, um, you know, moments like that, imagery like that, is just a reminder that God, Aslan, right? He's still on the march. God is still on the march. God is still doing amazing things with His people. God is active. Uh, What Bruce mentioned uh, and Acts 2 is taking place in Iran right now. And uh, one of the most beautiful things about the whole thing, uh, in my opinion, is it just a, a sort of a, a third-party um, verification of good theology. Uh, guess who's leading the movement in Iran? Women. The women are leading the movement in Iran to the gospel. Why? Because God uses anyone willing to speak. And He can do amazing things if we are, make ourselves available to Him. That's what, that's what vision casting is for a church. Making ourselves available to the God who can do anything. Amen? So what does that look like? Well, glad you asked, right? Uh, I want to talk about what vision and mission and all of that looks like for us here at New Beginnings. Um, in the weeks to come, we're going to unpack it uh, point by point, idea by idea, um, big idea after big idea. Um, but today, I want to kind of continue what I did from uh, Mill Hollow and just kind of give you some reasons why I think clarity for 2020, vision casting for what's coming ahead is even possible. Right? I think it is extremely possible. And I want to share with you this morning a couple reasons why. Number one, uh, really for three things. Number one, uh, grace creates faith, not the other way around. Two, uh, we have great core strength. Right? Um, and number three, we also have a missional vision. I believe those three things will create the sort of um, allow us to be successful in the way that God has called us to be in Amherst on mission. And so I want to unpack those three things because I think it would be very helpful. Um, the imagery, of course, uh, to the left is a reminder that this whole year, 2019, has been all about uh, recapturing momentum. This idea of, of making sure that as we get to 2020, we're ready to go, that we have a clear path ahead of us, and that we can be about God's business 
uh, of kingdom building here in, in New Beginnings. We said to recapture that momentum, we had to do three things. Number one, we had to create a kingdom concept, which is what I'm about to talk about in just a moment. The second thing we had to do is discover a way or develop a way to make disciples. Not the way, as if there's only one way to do it, but a way so that we can do it, so that we can all participate in discipleship making. And thirdly, uh, by deepening spiritual rhythms. In essence, making sure that what we are doing as a church flows out of where we want to go as a church, right? Those three things will create a great sense of momentum that I believe God will bless, that His Spirit will, uh, will do amazing things within and this, is, uh, this series is a, is a tie back to what we began at the beginning of the year, uh, developing a kingdom concept. And I'll unpack that a little bit in this sermon. And as I said, uh, going forward, we have a series of lessons that we'll talk about. But this is sort of the framework. This is sort of um, the reason why it'll work. Number one, because grace creates faith. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed God and went, even though, what? He did not know where he was going. This is probably the last passage you're thinking a, a minister or a preacher or anyone would bring up in purpose and vision and, and mission and all that, right? A passage that says the character had no idea where he was going. But I believe this is the foundation. I believe this is the most important thing that we can say about a mission. And that is, God is responsible for it. God is responsible for it. If you get this backwards, if you get that faith creates grace, we build our own kingdom. If you make us the hero... If we see in a text, us, as the hero of faith, we build our own kingdom and we've fallen victim to the, to the fall that we've talked about so many times here before. This illusion, this illusion that we can be good enough, smart enough, wise enough to do something without God's help. Um, faith is a product of God's grace. Flip that around. And even if we're successful, even if, even if we put the best skills and efforts and talents and if we're able to bring in uh, experts and, and we create a Christian movement with thousands of people in Amherst, if Amherst becomes one giant church building because of our ingenuity and our skill sets and our wisdom and our charisma, if it's all the result of our efforts, we have failed. There are lots of ministries with lots of charismatic leaders, with lots of brilliant people who've created amazing organizations that are essentially the kingdom of man with Jesus slapped on it. Grace is what makes it work. And if it's working without it, we have a problem, Houston. Grace is why it works. Grace is, as we said in Milhalo, the reason we can run. Because the story of Scripture perpetually over and over and over again is, you go, I'll bless it. I'm the one doing the heavy lifting anyways. This is why 
the world's most influential, one of the world's most influential men, a man by the name of Abraham, was able to accomplish what he was able to accomplish. Just think about that for a second. There are three major religions that point back to Abraham and say, this man is the reason we are in the world. Even if you're not a religious person, you have to look at Abraham and think, how did he change the planet? How did he change the world? When, when he started, he had no idea where he was going. That's, you can't sell books with that. Right? Thousand ones way to improve your business. Start with, I have no idea. It's because Abraham didn't build it. God did. Abraham's response was simply faithfulness. Availability. Far more important than ability. Grace is why it will work. Two, we have a strong core. So, um, I'm kind of new to the world of fitness. <laughs> I probably don't have to tell you that. Um, especially if I turn to um, but I, I am new to the world of fitness. I was a sports guy, played before, but I hadn't really got into trying to work out and, and better my whole body until I got hold of, uh, or rather Josh got a hold of me, and uh, we started working out. And uh, one of the things that I learned is you have to have a good, strong core. doesn't matter if you have strong arms and legs and feet and the you know, the periphery, that's good, right? But if you don't have a strong core, what's the point? It's just not going to work that well. Um, a core, a strong core is probably more important than, than everything else. And just about any sport that you could possibly play. Um, any type of activity you could possibly do. If your core isn't strong, you're going to, you're going to struggle. Even if you have the world's gre greatest skilled player, if they have a weak core, they're still going to struggle. Um, in sports, uh, you will note that the people who are uh, freakishly amazing have the best fundamentals. You'll notice that something like jazz, which we see as creative and beautiful and, and ever-changing and, and just a beautiful masterpiece, is not, believe it or not, just random activity. But because those people have been fundamental in learning everything they need to be a, a virtuoso music-wise, creativity is even a responsibility or a response from good fundamentals. Um, one of the reasons I believe New Beginnings will be and do great things in, on mission, number one, is because God's going to be doing the heavy lifting. Number two, we have a strong core. There's a strong foundation here. Um, a strong DNA. Let me just unpack it for you because we've heard it before. The very first series of lessons I did when I got here was all about the core, all about the foundation, this, the basis upon which you and I know each other, the basis upon which you and I can say, hey, we're in this thing together. And this is what it looked like. Number one, we said that Jesus was the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, Matthew 16, 13 and 16. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
But what about you, he asked. What do you say? Simon Peter answered, you are Messiah, the son of the living God. We all agree with that. Amen? That Jesus is the son of God. Which denotes the idea that God is a Trinitarian concept. That there's a Father and there's a Son and a Holy Spirit. The fact that He is Son also means that He is incarnate. He's come to be one of us. We all agree with that. That's a good core beginning. Jesus is the Son of God. We also agree the Bible is the Word of God. Amen? We believe what the Bible says, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and in training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. And part of the reason we believe that is because the Bible has told me so. We believe in a revealed religion. We, we don't believe, as some religions do, that if you can just silence yourself and go inside, you can get in touch with the God of the universe. Uh, on the contrary, we, we say our God had the desire to be in touch with us and has revealed who He is, what He's about, and what we should be about through the Word of God. And so we go back to Scripture to ask ourselves, who is God? How do I relate to Him? And what does it mean for me to be fully human? We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe the Scriptures are the Word of God. And we believe those Scriptures also tell us that salvation is the grace of God. When you read the Bible, one of the things you can't come away with is saying, man, humanity's really got their act together. <laughs> if you have read it that way, you are reading it wrong. Because that is not what it says. What it says is, not in light of our capacity for goodness, but despite. Despite it, our, our, our propensity for evil. God takes that which is broken, brings it together, restores it, and makes it good. We are saved by the grace of God unequivocally. It's what the Bible says. It's what the story says. That's what my own testimony of my own heart and mind and life says. That if it was up to me, I am of all men to be pitied. But because it's up to God, I can wake up every morning and say, God is good all the time. We have a good core. Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Salvation is the work of God. For it is by grace you have been saved, Paul says, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast. For we are God's handiwork. God's not ours. He is, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in us in advance for us to do. Salvation is the word of God, and so is discipleship. Discipleship is the call of God. We don't just exist. Our job isn't just to come to Christ and then to hang out. Our job is to follow Christ. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 20, 18 and 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
We believe discipleship isn't an aftermath. It's not a side effect. It's not an accident. It's not something we can get around to. It is what we're here for. We believe in Jesus and we follow Jesus and we disciple others and baptize people into Jesus and we teach them everything Jesus has said. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Salvation is the grace of God. Discipleship is the call of God. We believe the church is the people of God. Not this building. Not this pew, these not pews, not these chairs. Church isn't a place. Amen? It's a people. It's a people. Do you know right now the church is all over Amherst? Some of them are here. Some of them are playing sports. <laughs> Some of them are in churches across town. Church is a people, not a place. Church transcends the definition of heritage. It transcends the definition of our own experience. Church is the people of God. Church is Iranian women leading people to Christ. That's church, amen? That's church too. Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Salvation is the grace of God. Discipleship is the call of God. Church is the people of God. Although I am less than the least of all of these Lord's people, the grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of the mystery which for the ages past was kept hidden in God who created, us all, who created all things. His intent, God's intent, was that now through the, what? The church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's, that's us. That's what we do. We don't exist to get together. You know the word church implies mission? It implies mission. Um, you guys have seen the Marvel movies, uh, the, the Avengers, right? They'll, they say something, Avengers assemble, right? They don't assemble to have tea. They don't assemble to just get along with one another because they don't really like each other in the story as much as we might think they do. They don't get together just to hang out. They get together because there's a mission. That's church. Church isn't getting together to have tea. It isn't getting together because of common heritage or hobbies or things we like to do. Church is mission. Mission is church. If there was no mission, there would just be individual salvation. Church is mission. When we think of church, we have to think of mission. So if a church isn't on mission, it's not, it's not a church. It's a group. A party. A club. But it's not a church. That's why it's so imperative that the mission not be membership. Making each other happy, satisfying each other's needs, good, 
Because that's what family does. But not the mission. The mission is all around us in these streets, in these houses, in these people. You can't make membership mission. You may end up with a lot of people, but you don't run a church, you're a club. Mission is with membership. With membership. Membership isn't mission. That's core. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe salvation is the grace of God. That discipleship is the call of God. That the church is the people of God. That heaven is the promise of God. That one day, if those who are in faith leave us, they go to a prepared place, and that one day, that prepared place is going to come to us. 2 Peter 3, 11-13, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You have to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens and the fire and elements will melt with heat. But in keeping with the promises, we look forward to a what? A new heaven and a new what? A new earth where righteousness dwells. We believe heaven is the promise of God. So that all of those who in faith along with us on the journey, if they for some reason don't get to journey on with us because of life, their, their life ends here, we, we trust there's a prepared place for them. And that one day they'll come along with Jesus and it'll all be restored all together at the same time. Oh, I can't wait for that day. That's the one thing I would love to interrupt our mission and it's the only thing that we should ever allow to interrupt our mission. We fight until the king returns. If we just camp out, we've lost. Why, do we, why are we going to be successful here? Number one, grace creates faith, not the other way around. God does the heavy lifting. Number two, we have a really good core. You know, all of us in here... Even if we don't agree on everything, we agree on the most important things, and that was them. Nothing else is worth dividing over. Nothing else is worth dividing over. Nothing else is worth dividing over. Nothing else. Nothing else. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Discipleship is the call of God. Salvation is the gift of God, the grace of God. The church is the people of God. Heaven is the promise of God. And everything else we can argue about on the way up. Amen? Oh, we can argue when He comes down. Because i got a lot of things that He needs to straighten me out on. I don't know about you. Um, I don't know what He's doing half the time. I don't know about you. He doesn't ask my permission. He does what he wants, and I have to get on board with it, and that bugs me. But we're gonna have to come. To, we're gonna have a come to Jesus, come to Jesus meeting, and uh, he's gonna be right. Amen. Yeah. Um, and this is the third reason we're gonna be okay, because our mission is real. 
lot of times in churches, churches want to duplicate their brand. Churches want to duplicate their franchise. When McDonald's wants to open up McDonald's, it doesn't go in and do a cultural analysis. It simply says, this is how we do McDonald's. Boom. <laughs> we build a McDonald's there. And people eat their burgers. About the most culturally thing they do is if, if you're in, if you're in uh, uh, New Mexico, they put cactuses on the walls. But it's the same burger, the same way, with the same people who don't get it right the first time. <laughs> That's not how you do church. That's not how you do mission. You don't say, what is the church of Christ? Let me go duplicate that. That's not mission. It's not. That's what we've tried to do for years. What is the church of Christ? Let's go duplicate that here. Let's go duplicate that there. If you don't believe me, um, ask any missionary who will tell you the truth. Not all of them will. If they're looking for money, they show you the mission work, and it looks just like us. When you go there, and you stay long enough, you realize it doesn't look anything like us at all. Because what it's going to look like for New Testament Christianity in Iran is going to look way different than it looks like right here in Amherst. Right? You can't just duplicate a church of Christ and think that's our mission. It will not work. The only thing that will do is attract other church of Christ people. And I love them, but we got enough. We need lost people. That's the mission. And I know that's what happens because when people leave, it's usually that's not a church of Christ anymore. Okay. It's a church that belongs to Christ though. Amen? We're not trying to, we're not trying to build oases for other church of Christ people. We're, we're trying to be faithful to God's call. Leadership, primary function is Reality. Reality. You have to be real about where you're at and what you're capable of and what you're actually doing. If not, we just live in a delusion of thinking, we just create a story where we're the heroes. That, that's that's kind of what drug, drug and alcoholics do, by the way. I'm, I'm doing this drug and alcoholic uh, licensure. Um, the reason they continue to do the things they do is because they tell a story that allows them to see themselves as winning. Your job as a counselor is to make sure we get back to reality. The reality is you're losing. And if we were to be fair about the mission of the Church of Christ within America, we are losing. That's reality. And we can't create narratives that say, well, God only saved eight the first time, so it just means we're doing it the way He would like. No! That's called constructing a reality where you are the hero. Reality is we have to learn to be hosted, which is what we talked about in our Bible class. We have to be hosted by a culture because they're not going to come here for it. Not going to come here. Everyone who wants to go to church is already going to church, folks. They're not going to come here. 
We have to learn to be hosted by them. How do we do that? Well, we do that with these three pieces. I, uh, on Facebook, there is a, um, a summary of what we did. Uh, I'm going to summarize it for you now, and then we're going to unpack it in the series. But we took three steps, essentially. Back in January, we put a call out for anyone and everyone who would like to be a part of this group. It was an open, inclusive group. You could be old, you could be young, you could be smart, you could be less smart, you could do whatever and be whoever you wanted. You are all welcome to come. And I was hoping in my mind to get about 15 people. Not, we had about 15 people. Everyone and anyone was allowed to take place or was allowed to come. About two or three weeks in, we shut off that informa- the, the input because you have to build consistency within a group. For three weeks, it was open. After the three weeks, it was done. We had 15 people, and over the course of six months, um, we did three things. We got real about our, our place right here. We did surveys and asked city leaders and got into the story of Amherst and said, what is our local context? What does it actually look like? What is actually taking place? What is, what is the, the problem? And what, is, what would it look like for Amherst specifically to have the kingdom of God explode in this place? What is the problem? What is actually taking place? I met personally with the sheriff and other people met with all sorts of different people. Not the sheriff, the police uh, Police chief, right? I mean, we got real, like, what is actually going on? Who is this place? We put it all together, and we wrote a little story. Then we did the same thing with leadership. We got uh, uh, Glenn and Kevin and uh, Bruce and Merlin, and we said, what are you guys really passionate about? What, how has God shaped you? What is your angst? What, is, what do you think we should be doing? What is... God placed on your heart to do what? What are you passionate about? Because here's the deal: if leadership doesn't care, we're wasting our time. Because I can't lead this all by myself. Nor should I. My job is to be a midwife to help you guys birth whatever God has put in your life. That's my job. That's it. I'm not responsible for what comes out. You guys are. That's my job. Um, so we have to get real about what, what do our leaders think about this? What, what, what's on their heart? Right? If we have a passion for, uh, for something, but it's not with our... You know, we, we have to be real about this. So we gathered all, all together and wrote a little story. And then we did the same thing with our, um, our church as a whole, right? We had our group go out and survey y'all. And um, different people surveyed every, not, we didn't survey everyone, but we did try to go cross demographically, age, time, experience. And we gathered all that information and we heard from you what you guys think we're good at. And that's only half the battle. <laughs> we gathered it all together, we wrote a little story, and in the middle of all of that is something that we should probably be up to. That's what you call, that's what you call, that's some good music, I don't know what that is. Um, that's what you call building the map, right? 
But once you just have the map, once you have an idea of what is actually taking place, you're not done. Because then you've got to like, create a path across the map. So we had to move from operational language or uh, operational system to operational language. How do we, now that we have a realistic view of what's going on, how do we do what God has called us to do? And that leads us to the vision frame, the piece in the middle. The vision frame allows us to take all that information that our computer processing system is doing and make it work for our purposes or God's purposes rather than just existing. Here's the reality. This is so important. Whether it's your life, whether it's your business, whether it's your family, whether whatever it is, you are getting out what you're putting into it. So if you're getting nothing, it isn't an accident. Systems, that's how systems work. That's why systems have to change if things are going to change. You're getting out of whatever relationship, whatever dynamic, whatever system you're putting into it. That's, again, about being real. We can't tell stories about why we're not evangelizing anymore. It's because we're not evangelizing anymore. So we have to be real about the system. We have to be real about what it looks like to make a map across the system. And then we have to be real about implementing things. And that's the third box. The third box is all about how we plan to implement. Those little circles, um, the, the square, by the way, um, um, has to do with our vision frame. So we're, we're talking about measures. How do we know if we're successful? We're talking about mission. What is our mission motive and, and a mission statement? What, where, where are we going? Um, there are motives, like what are our values that push us and, and push us into the future that God wants? And, and most importantly, what is the map? What is, what is our process going to look like? Right? Let me tell you right now, five Bs. And we'll unpack it later, but this is, this is my cliffhanger. We have to build. We have to belong. We have to bring. We have to become. And we have to bless. Let that marinate a little bit. But that, that's, that's what it looks like. Big, big, big picture. Um, that's our... That's our move across the kingdom concept. That's, uh, Keith, that's our operational language, right? Our computer processing language. And uh, we implement it by doing these five things. We, we first, we begin with leadership because leadership has to be uh, on board with it. It has to be their vision, not just ours. And I'm going to let you know right now, you guys, have an, you guys are blessed with good leadership. These guys have said, we'll step back and let you guys come up with this, and then we'll gather together and we'll think together on it. You know how many leaderships wouldn't do that? You know how many leaderships feel themselves to be the, uh, the bearer and protector and the vision casters of everything? These guys are shepherds. These guys are good leaders. They don't, they don't have to make all your decisions for you. You know, that, that's one, you know, one of the drawbacks of calling people a shepherd is because people then are sheep. And, and sheep are sheep smart? Yeah, see, the problem sometimes with that metaphor is leaders begin to think of themselves 
as smart and sheep as stupid. Have you ever been in an environment like that? I have. I've been in churches where you would sit in the leadership meeting and you're like, are you kidding? You guys really don't think your membership have any clue. That's not what we have here. We have godly men who know you are godly people grifted by God. And I just love that. So we're going to start with our leadership. In fact, today we're going to be meeting with them. Uh, the next thing is we're going to be talking about intentional language, right? Um, language is very important when it comes to mission. Uh, the next piece is uh, making sure the process is repeatable. If you come up with a mission and it's so complex no one can do it, you've done nothing. It has to be simple. It has to be repeatable. It has to, uh, has to be, have handles on it. So we have to be thinking about that as well. Um, we also have to have, um, oh, what is the term? Um, Complement, uh, complementary spaces. Basically, we have to make sure that what we're trying to accomplish as a mission uh, is reflected in everything we do. Not just the language on the walls, but the walls themselves. Um, environments that create space where mission can take place. Um, very, very important. Um, and then, finally, um, the last piece. Hold on a second. Phone is dead. What is that? Oh, yeah, a conscious culture. Which means <laughs> the opposite of what I just did, right? Uh, a conscious culture is everyone knows what we're up to. From the little bitty guys to the real old guys and everyone in between. I want the little one that ran up to Bruce today with the, with the, with the clipboard in his hand to know those five B's. Because that's what his church is about. That's a conscientious culture. Um, let's all be standing. What's going to make it successful? Grace. A strong core. And a mission. That's what's going to make us successful. That's why what, what comes in the next few weeks, that's why it matters. That's why it's, it's, we're going to be successful uh, with this uh, and gain clarity for 2020. Um, so I want, to, I want to end today with a song that uh, is asking us to think about our city. Um, it's kind of a mantra. It's kind of a... A theme song. You've probably heard it a million times, but um, we'll probably hear it a million times more before it's over with because it has a way of taking everything I just talked about and pushing it back into our hearts. Um, so if you will uh, sing this with me and uh, we'll wrap things up. There is no one like I 
You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in the darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God and Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Be at peace, church.